0: Hello everyone, welcome to episode 707 of Cold Wave Soundcheck. I'm Aaron Pong. We are now three months away from the Cold Wave 7 Festival, beginning in New York City September 13th through 15th, Chicago 21st through 23rd, and finishing in LA September 27th through 29th. Head to coldwaves.net for the full lineup and ticket links, which include pre shows, post shows, and extremely limited VIP packages. This week we're chatting with Dan Gatto. This is Continues.
1: 12 years old I sort of got into like Human League and Depeche Mode That that's kind of like what was happening at the time then really got into sort of New Order and all of the things that were happening kind of New York like 1983 I was kind of into sort of the Electro kind of New Wave kind of stuff and then uh, as I got older it just kind of blossomed into all sorts of sort of you know alternative and punk stuff and started seeing like essentially every band and wanted to play music but I just didn't have any you know any formal training or anything so I worked a job and saved up for a, a drum machine which is kind of an odd thing as the first instrument but it was drum machine and then borrowed a synthesizer from a neighbor and sort of started building from there so I was always kind of coming from a place of doing music on my own, simply because I I never thought of myself as being someone who could play music, but someone who was interested in music and created music. So when I went to college in my dorm floor, there was uh, essentially only one other person who was sort of interested in the same things I was, which was my which turned out to be my original bandmate uh, Mike Smith in Babyland. So in 1989, we formed this. Originally, it was sort of like a collective, like the idea that I would do the music and he would do visuals, but it transformed into really wanting to perform. Um, we were both fans of like punk rock music, and at the time, we were in Los Angeles in 1989, and it was a complete like cross section of punk rock, indie rock, and one of the few scenes that had like a really, really healthy acid house scene. So there was a combination of, on a weekend, you would go to, locally, you would go to Helter Skelter and, you know, you would see, uh, you know, Red Lori, Yellow Lori, or Beat Manifesto or whatever. And then the next night you would go to an underground um, downtown which was playing all sort of, you know, sort of bizarre Acid House stuff. But from there, you know, we just started to play. And as we recorded music, as I recorded music, we sort of tried to figure out a way to sort of present the music live. And it turned into sort of what Babyland became, which was what we called Electronic Junk Punk, which was a presentation of electronic music through like a, a human celebration. A lot of it had to do with performance. So the shows were really more about kind of being independent, you know, sort of a punk rock celebration, uh, sense of community sense of helping other bands out. I mean, I guess uh, it was DIY only because it had to be DIY. Um, I think a lot of bands were DIY. It's not, that was not really, um, I mean, that was something kind of, we came from, but I think that anybody who wants to play music kind of comes from that. And, you know, from there, we just continued on. And at some point in, you know, 20 years into it, Mike wanted out. He just didn't want to do it anymore. So, um, he continued on with a career and so I was sort of left with the idea of, okay, you know, what do I want to do? What, what I have a clean slate. What do I want to do? And I knew I wanted to continue to perform, but I wanted to kind of go uh, in a bit of a different direction and really focus more on, on synth pop, um, which is kind of like that original core love and then try to figure out how to present that live and still bring sort of a human element to it so that's that's kind of where I am right now which is it's melodic it's song-based but it's really also about adding a human element and a performance element so that when someone can listen to it and and listen you know even if they've never seen the band hopefully appreciate the songs like the songs but once they go and sort of experience what's happening live they sort of get the 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 full experience of you know hopefully what i'm trying to create
2: so i really love your um your self-titled album and that came out back in 2012 so it's been about six years correct correct are you working on anything new
1: yes yeah i'm always so um in 2012 i put that out and but at the same time, I I had a uh, uh, became a dad and decided that that was the thing that I definitely wanted to focus on and did that. Like, I've always been writing music, always been doing music. But in terms of, you know, really kind of pursuing it and presenting it outwardly, I wasn't really concerned about it. There was a time though where, you know, it's kind of an odd thing where you start to wonder if Oh, wait a minute. Is this going to go away? Or is this something that, you know, how do I, how do I balance my life as a parent or a worker or a husband or, you know, a friend or a family member with doing something creative? And I think that is a huge struggle. And I think it's a struggle for a lot of people. But my feeling coming out of this now is that doing music isn't something that has a date stamp on it. It's something that I'm going to do whether or not there's uh, an audience or somebody sort of waiting for it. And the fact that there is an audience and people waiting for I actually am completely like humbled by and just excited by it. The fact that I could be a part of any of this stuff is like incredible. So Yes, I'm recording. Hopefully, I will have something out by the time the Cold Waves shows happen. But it's not something that is going to stop. It's just something that my focus was, you know, on my family, which I think is, you know, hands down more important than anything. Um, So that's that's kind of what what I was doing.
2: If you're at the point now where you, you have the creative freedom to sort of work on things as it works out for you, how do you decide when something is done?
1: That's uh, a good question in that there are lots of songs that have, have had a life from the last album until two months ago that I said, no, that's not, I don't want to do that. You know, if I was in a position where I had to produce and I had to create something and had to be released. And then I think, that my direction would have been, I would have tried a lot of different things that I I don't think that I necessarily would be like super excited about. That being said, I love the fact that I've created all these songs that will never see the light of day. Maybe they will, but I like to sort of think that I've created a world for myself in which my creative self lives that is kind of an idealized state of the kind of music that I would want to hear and things sort of something that was free of contemporary influence and judgment and sort of, you know, social media sort of pop culture climate. And I kind of create for that. And that's like been a really good thing to kind of nurture. And I think that that's kind of come from focusing on the things that are important for me, like my family in that situation and then sort of bringing music back in and it's enabled me to sort of feel confident in what I do even though maybe the mark I want to make isn't really what's happening right at the moment or it might not get me on the bill that I want to get on or get me on you know some blog or something like that so the very long answer is that I've written a lot of songs that would do that, but I, I think that when I get to a point where I just can kind of look at something and say, that's a real reaction or a real feeling or a real emotion, then that's when I know it's a good song or, or something I, at least I want to present.
2: I feel like the synth pop sound that comes across in your music is just as popular now as, you know, any time in the past 20 years and I think you could tell uh-huh. in the way different festivals like this are announced and you can see the bands that are on there. Do you feel like other people are are catching up to the sound? Is there more demand for for you to come out and play more shows now?
1: I mean, to be realistic, I met a lot of people over the 20 years of doing Babyland and I think that those relationships are the things that are benefiting me now. So for me, the the backstory of what I did is, or what the band I used to be in, sort of informs what I do now. And I think that that's kind of a, a very contemporary theme in which what people sort of look for. I think that people enjoy sort of popular music or pop music, but I think that there's a desire to have sort of some authentic quality to it sort of this idea that it's okay for me to like this syrupy synth pop song or this sort of like almost you know emo electronic song or something that and you know it's it's sort of carried you know a good example is like a band on the cold cave where it's sort of like it's okay because of the previous bands that Wes was in and it's sort of Like it's coming from this sort of space and people are discovering it from all these different angles. I think it's the same kind of thing. The other thing is that it's just, it's more acceptable to do electronic music live. And, you know, when we started doing music 25 years ago and we had a a Mac on stage with, you know, a Mac SE on stage with, you know, all keyboards and everything. And this would, would be at a at a show that was five punk rock bands and then us people would be either they'd be with it or not with it but either way i mean i think there's there's at this point there's an acceptance of dj culture of you know electronic music just in general and sort of it's more of um uh it's more of the experience and wanting to sort of participate in the group the community that's being a part of something. So, you know, my feeling is the ace in the hole for me is if I have a good song, if there's a good song and you hear it live for the first time, like chord structure or whatever, it's like it's the greatest thing ever. So, um maybe people are just kind of getting used to convening and and listening to electronic music away from it being just dance culture, sort of techno house, sort of club situation and more of, okay, this is sort of a presentation of the type of music that I like.
2: Cold Waves is hitting up three different cities this year for the first time, and mm-hmm. you're going to be playing mm-hmm. in all three of them. Tell me about being a part of this.
1: It's the greatest thing ever. I mean, you know, I I can't even, you know, th- so so the genesis of this ultimately is a little longer than a year ago. I played a show with Kite and Jason came and he saw the show, and he said, "Oh yeah, you know, I'd love to get you to play Cold Waves at some point." And you know, it him talking like Jason talking to Dan, and he 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 made this comment. I'd never met him before, and I said, "Yes, I would love to do that. That's that would be amazing." But I thought of it as being something that was just sort of conversation or whatever. So about two months ago, I played a show for. Um, Goss Bunker. And he was unable to come, but he saw some stuff that was posted from the show. And I think it was sort of a reminder that this was something he wanted to do. And he just reached out to me. And that is how just sort of organic the whole thing was. I'm at a point where I fight to get a show at a local club. It's, nonstop sending emails, nonstop, hey, can, can I play and sort of no one responding and all these kinds of things. The fact that this that he invited me to do this was, you know, I had I had nothing to do with it except for the fact that I do what I do. First of all, to be able to play in Chicago in uh, with this festival um, on the bill I'm on, you know, I'm I'm honored to do it. Um, I'm honored to play in New York as well, but the Chicago thing is like really, you know, I, I I don't know if I even have like words for it. It's really great that I have a chance to do it and I'm going to bring all that I can. And I think that that um, it it feels like a correct spot to be, you know, for, for me, this project is, is appropriate for that. It's like the right the right puzzle piece to go into the larger puzzle. And I think that that's kind of what's really interesting about what Jason's doing with this is that he's kind of curating something that has the obvious corner pieces, but he is taking a chance and really helping other bands out to sort of, you know, allow them to fill in some of the gaps. So, you know, the corner band's, Right. And you know, this other band, you heard this other band, but the pieces that are connecting, you're not sure of. And so in a way, what he's doing is sort of bringing this to everyone and he's bringing the pieces and, you know, hoping that people make connections. And I think that there are a lot of bands that, that will, um, you know, a lot of the smaller bands or a lot of the sort of bands that might not be expected to be a part of this sort of genre festival that will benefit from this because the people who are drawing this are people who want to engage with this. That's the idea. The idea is that all I can say is I hope that if I go and I play, that there's somebody who's like, Oh wait, what? Never heard of you. Okay, cool. Yeah. You know, I mean, that's, that's why I'm doing it. And I get to see all these bands. I mean, I get to be a part of this. Song. I mean, it's pretty amazing.
2: Was there anything I missed or anything else that you wanted to go over?
1: What I would like to say is that all the stuff that I've done and all the stuff from Babyland up to now has been built on doing shows and meeting people and building. And it's sort of these introductions and these relationships that sort of have been there over the years. And it's all about continuing on with sort of a vision or an idea. And so the fact that I was here long enough for Jason to (laughs) recognize or ask me to do this. It's like, it's a huge thing. So, you know, I appreciate it. And I'm, I'm hoping, you know, for me personally, I'm looking at September as being like a pretty great month, you know? I mean, for me personally, it's like, wow, we're talking three weekends of great music and being able to play shows. So that's it. I guess, I guess in some ways I want to just express my, gratitude for being able to be a part of it that's all
0: this episode you heard lost life reckless heart and flat black continues can be found at mattress.bandcamp.com our opening music is mad Maker by acumen nation our closing music is messiah by splinter group subscribe to the show through apple Podcasts, google play or your favorite podcast app join us next week as we chat with reese fulber Her closing segment each week is dedicated to the inspiration for Cold Waves, fallen Chicago musician and sound man, Jamie Duffy. Here's Jamie's bandmate, Greg Lopez, sharing his memories during the first Cold Waves.
2: Preparing for the show that we're doing and playing these songs, it's like I can, in my mind, imagine what Jamie's doing on the other side of the stage, if I'm not looking on the other side of the stage. When I play a song, whether I played it like five times or 20 times or 100 times or 200 times, whatever, I always know like what, this is what Jamie does at this point, or this is how Jamie's moving at this point, or oh, Jamie loves this part, you know? And I'll, I'll, I caught myself when we we're rehearsing, like just thinking like, I, if I just look over there, it'll be fine. Like he'll be over there and, and everything will be fine. So um, it's hard. I, I'll, I'll never accept it.